Okay, welcome to the Murphy's Law Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Murphy. I'm joined here by Kevin Smith. Hey, Kevin. Howdy, Chris. Um, I want to start off by talking about why this podcast, why I felt the need to start this podcast. Over the last few years, we've seen how easily our rights can be trampled on or infringed upon and how fragile they can be if we don't stand up for our rights and we don't fight for our freedoms. And I felt this important to educate people because many people don't know what their rights are. They don't know what the freedoms are. They don't know why the U.S. Constitution exists or the Declaration of Independence. They might know a phrase or two, but do they really know what's in it? And so that's why I wanted to start this podcast, because you can't fight for your rights if you don't know your rights. So that's the most important thing about what we wanted to do here. And of course, on the name Murphy's Flaw, I'm an outspoken guy. I say what's on my mind. Sometimes that gets me in trouble. That is my flaw. But I am going to express myself, uh, and I'm going to exercise my freedom of speech. So that is the basis of Murphy's Flaw. We're not going to talk about this much more on future episodes. I just wanted to lay the groundwork as to uh, why I wanted to start this podcast. The U.S. was founded back in, in the 1700s, and two of the most famous governing documents in, I'll call it world history, were the Declaration of, uh, Declaration of Independence and the U.S. Constitution. And, of course, along with that comes uh, your Bill of Rights and all the different amendments to the U.S. Constitution uh, that kind of lay out you know, how the government works and, and how we're supposed to uh, exist as free people. So we're going to jump into those. Uh, those are going to form the first five to ten, maybe, maybe 15 episodes. And then we're going to take it from there and we're going to talk about other, um, other topics. So before we jump into this, I'm going to take care of a few housekeeping items. Um, first one being, if this topic is of interest to you, please subscribe to our show, share it with your friends, turn on a notification bell so you don't miss any shows. And, uh, yeah, tell everybody about it. Listen, get educated. Uh, second item is we are audio only right now. We will be adding video as, as time goes on. We're just not quite ready for it yet, uh, but video is coming. Third, we, I, I anticipate doing these weekly. Um, I'm going to try to keep to that schedule, but uh, please expect um, something from us weekly. And then uh, fourth, and you'll see this ongoing throughout the episode, is our sponsors. We can't, you know, we can't put this show out uh, without money, obviously. And our show sponsors are integral in keeping the show on the air and allowing us to do what we do. So the two sponsors we have are Jumpstart Coffee Company and uh, Dragoon Unlimited. Let's hit Jumpstart Coffee Company first. Uh, Jumpstart Coffee Company has two main mission goals. Those are to create great tasting coffee, fresh as you order it, freshly roasted, delivered to your door. The second part of their mission is supporting our veterans by donating half of their profits to the Navy SEAL Foundation. And if you don't know what the Navy SEAL Foundation is, they do a great job supporting veterans and supporting veteran families. Um, so go to Jumpstart Coffee Co. That's jumpstartcoffeeco.com and enter the code FLAW10, 
10 FLAW10 for 10% savings on your order. And now I'll hand it over to Kevin. Kevin, um, go ahead and give us a little intro about Dragoon. Yep. Uh, Dragoon Unlimited uh, was a, and is, an American dream after a 25-year career in the uh, military. Uh, like Jumpstart, we give proceeds back to veterans organizations to include the PTSD Foundation, uh, the USO, and Tunnels for Towers. And our goal is to bring uh, affordable gear, great gear at an affordable price, uh, outdoor adventure gear for your life's next adventure. So check out DragoonUnlimited.com, find us on social media, and you can use the promo code 10 Dragoon 22 at checkout on Amazon or our website uh, for an additional 10% off. Awesome. Appreciate that, Kevin. So a little bit about me. I'm a Canadian, uh, which is kind of weird because here I am talking about U.S. Constitution and Bill of Rights. Um, but I've been living in the United States now for um, about 10, uh, 12 years. It, it, it's very important to me that I stand up for my freedoms and rights. But... Um, Kevin, tell me why. Tell me why you think this is an, an important topic to you. And by the way, thanks for joining me and thanks for being on the show and being a co-host. But you know, t tell us why you know this is important to you. Yeah, great to be here, Chris. I'll lead by saying I I'm a history geek. I always have been. Uh, I don't pretend to be a constitutional scholar or legal expert, but what I do uh, absolutely believe in is what this document does for all of us. I, it's the only thing that U.S. service members swear to defend. We don't swear to defend a piece of ground. We don't swear allegiance or loyalty to an individual. We swear to defend the Constitution of the United States of America. And I think that's very important. And so as a career soldier, I dug into it and I tried to find out what that meant to me. And as I dug into it and found out more about that. It's an easy document. It's a document written for every man. It's not written by lawyers for lawyers. It's written by leaders of a, of a new nation for the people of that nation. Mm -hmm. And so it's a very simple document and it's not something that should be intimidating. It should be something that we use every day to uh, define and help frame how we uh, operate in the world. Yeah, awesome. You, you got a coin there on the table. Uh, tell me about this coin. What is it? So this is a, it's a tradition in, in uh, military circles to have challenge coins. That's my uh, personal challenge coin. And one side of it is uh, it has uh, really three things on there. It has uh, life, liberty, and property. And those three terms come straight out of John Locke. And John Locke was an Englishman who was involved in the English Civil War in the 1600s and a philosopher who, who wrote about how governments are formed and how people see themselves in them. He was absolutely influential to people like Thomas Jefferson, uh, Thomas Paine, right. Benjamin Franklin, our founding fathers. And so uh, for me, that's how I've always defined what, what is a government supposed to do for me? It's, it's supposed to protect my life. It's supposed to protect my property. And it's supposed to protect my liberty, the ability to make my own decisions. And so if, if you're asking your government to do something more than that, you're probably asking the wrong thing. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Good. So you carry this thing around with you, do you? Every day. Okay, good. Good for you. Well, I learned something today. 
Well, good. Well, look, let's just jump into this then. And uh, sorry, folks, uh, for that that uh, lengthy intro to the podcast and what we're doing here, but uh, that kind of sets the groundwork for the rest of the episodes. We'll bypass most of this stuff uh, in the future, so uh, you won't have to go through it again. But it's um, definitely important for you to, to understand our mindset and why we got why we why we're here today. Um, so we're gonna today we're gonna talk about the Declaration of Independence. Uh, we will talk about the Constitution in the next episode, but we're not prepared to talk about it today. And many people put these two documents together, and they're not together. They're two separate documents. There's a reason why they're separate. Kevin's going to elaborate a little bit on it later, but today, just the Declaration of Independence. But before we get there, we're going to start back you know, prior to... Um, prior to the Declaration of Independence, to talk about what was going on at the time. Why, you know, what was going on in America, in the American colonies? Um, why did we even need the Declaration of Independence? So, Kevin, I don't know, maybe you can help me out. Uh, what, what was going on? Like, what was, go- why did, why was this document necessary? What was happening in the years preceding? Uh, what was the state, kind of, let's call it the state of the uh, the union in the United States, even though they weren't a union necessarily at that point. Sure. Well, I think it, I think it's important to understand what was going on in England for the previous 100 years before we get there. And England's just gone through, when I say just in the last 100 years, has gone through a civil war. They've dramatically restructured their governmental processes where parliament has a much bigger play in in and the laws that are passed and things like that, you still have a very powerful king. You still have a king that can rule by edict and can rule by not making a decision. And so, and you've got to take John Locke, Life, Liberty, and Property. And, you know, one of the things that he was very clear on is that if a government did not represent the people, that it was not only their right to change it, it was their duty to change it. And I'm not advocating uh, revolution, overthrowing the government or anything like that but we do have the right and the duty to change how we are governed and who governs us most importantly and how in the laws that they write and the edicts that they issue that in most cases are not uh, constitutionally sound or or even good for us sure and i guess uh, you know back in this I, I don't know how my dates exactly correct here but in the 1760s um i mean there was an there was a a war going on here on the American homeland sure. uh, between uh, the British as, 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 as well as the American uh, colonies uh, against the um, against the Native Indians at the time, wasn't there? Well, it was really uh, it was really between the British and the French. Okay. Right? And so you've got to remember, and as, as Americans and Canadians, we like to separate ourselves. But in the 1750s, 1740s, there's r- virtually no difference between the Canadian provinces and what became uh, the United States. We're all we're all provinces, territories of Britain, and so you have a competing superpower, France, uh, who is working up the the Midwest, St. Louis, you know, Fort St. Louis, New Orleans. All of those are are uh, French French territorial ambitions, and so you have this competition going on. And, and you do have a, and remember, we're all British. We're all British servants mm-hmm. or, or subjects. Uh, we are, there's no difference between a New Yorker and a, a Quebecan at that. I probably said that wrong, Chris, but. Uh, 
<laughs> Go for it. A Quebecois. <laughs> um, there, there's no difference between it. So that's what's going on. And at the end of that uh, process, we start seeing ourselves a little bit differently. And we start viewing ourselves a little bit differently. And one of the things about the, the Declaration of Independence, there's really kind of three parts of it. There's the, the first part really outlines how we see ourselves in, in relation to governance. And then there's a list of grievances. And then later there's the, okay, what are we gonna do about it? And what's interesting is that it's not about, the declaration is not a, it's not a whimsical thing. It's not a spur of the moment thing. It's not really not even an emotional thing. In fact, uh, Locke speaks very specifically that, you know, it has to be a long period of grievances to justify this kind of action. Yeah, I mean, so we're going to talk about that. Um, but I, you know, before we do, I mean, even even some of the leading uh, period uh, into uh, 1776 and, and the American Revolutionary War that started in 1775, uh, for you guys that don't know, that went on for eight years, ended in, what was it, 1783, I believe? Mm-hmm. 84, 83? Um, there was a number, so after, after the um, British success in America against the French, wasn't there um, some imposition of taxes that kind of didn't settle well with the people uh, in the colonies in America? And I, and I think there's some, notably, the Stamp Act, the Townshend's Act, um, and, and really it ended up being a lot of taxation on American colonies that uh, the people weren't happy with. And that led to a lot of uh, um, you know, dissatisfaction by the American colonies. And it kind of culminated with, uh, with a lot of violence that, that kind of led into the, um, the uh, Revolutionary War. And I, and I, you know, there was the Boston Massacre and then the, uh, the Tea Party. Uh, and I don't know if you're able to speak about that or not, but is that, is that something that you can shed a little bit of light on, uh, say the Boston Massacre and the American or the the, uh, the Tea Party? Yeah, sure. And it's interesting. the The Tea Party is well. You, you've heard the phrase "no taxation without representation," sure. right? It's something we still hear today. The uh, Tea Party was less about imposed taxes and more about taxes that were taken off of the East India Company. So now, all of a sudden, the East India Company's uh, tea is is more competitive than the colonial tea, and so. But the, at the end of the day, uh, the colonists were not getting a say into how they were how they were uh, represented, and that's what it all that's what it really all boiled down to. And that that shows up in those list of grievances in the Declaration of Independence. Well, I can tell you for sure, if anybody is taxing me and I'm not getting the proper rep- representation, I'm not going to be happy either. So I can certainly imagine how they felt at the time. Right. Okay, well, good. I, th- I think that kind of lays a little bit of groundwork as to, um, as to you know, why the American Revolutionary War started. And it started in 1775, and, and it was the following year that the U.S. Declaration of Independence was uh, issued, I guess, to the king, and uh, it, it was signed by the the founders of the 
or sorry, not founders, but the, um, help me out here, um, the 13 colonies, the members of the 13 colonies, right? Right. And, yeah. and, and then some of the Canadian provinces had an opportunity to be part of that and chose not to. So. Oh, I didn't know um, that. And some of the ones that ultimately signed on did not initially want to be part of it. And I think, um, so let's go back to the beginning, 1775, that at the, they have, the colonists have petitioned countless times to King George to be heard and to be treated correctly, right? Um, and that's fallen on deaf ears. And so they really had a couple of choices. They could choose to ignore it. Uh, they could choose to fight it within the system, or, or they could choose to declare independence. I mean, they really had three choices. And this right. discussion didn't just pop up in 1775 because of one battle. It's a discussion that had been going on for about 10 years prior to that. And so even with the initial battles happening in 1775, we still don't declare independence for almost a year. Right. Right. And I think that's important to understand. This was not a separatist organization that just wanted to leave uh, control of England. It was very, they were very reluctant to do so. Um, fully, at, at the end of the war, fully 30% of American colonists are still loyal to the crown. This was not a, you know, a 100% consensus action. Sure, and, and, I, and I believe it continued long after that with this, you know, continued um, British and even French involvement. Uh, I, I mean, there was conflict went on for years and years and years. Well, right? I think the matter's not finally settled until about 1815. Yeah, that's It was the end of the War of 1812. Yeah. Well, good. So let's, let's just jump into the um, Constitution. And, and I do want to highlight the thing that you said earlier, that uh, there's really three parts of, uh, sorry, not the Constitution, uh, of the Declaration of Independence. And the first part of it being a kind of a statement of values and a statement of, of principles that, uh, that govern us over time. It's not something that existed back in 1776. Yes, of course it did then, but it still exists today. Those things still exist today. The second part being as you mentioned earlier, the list of grievances. It's, it's kind of the things that um, the king was doing wrong and um, upsetting the, the people over here in the American colonies. And then the third part being the final conclusion. This is the act that they're taking um, based on those two previous things, the, you know, the statement of values and the grievances. And so that's, that kind of forms uh, the Declaration of Independence. And... Um, I, I did want to kind of, you know, take this moment to kind of read from parts of the Declaration of Independence. And, uh, you know, if you entertain me here for a bit, just let me read the first part. And um, some people remember the very, you know, the, the one line from there, but it's important to know everything that's in it. So let's start at the beginning. The unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America, when in the course of human events... It becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and, nature's, and of nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. 
anything to say about that, Kevin? I mean, that's the initial uh, paragraph of the Declaration of Independence. Yeah, you're going to hear a, a reoccurring theme in this conversation, John Locke. That's that's straight out of John Locke, who's uh, he's saying that it, it's not only it's not only their right, it's their duty. It's a necessity that they change how they are being governed if they are not being represented well and correctly. Right. And and so I think. You know, we, again, when we're taught this in school, we're, we're, we kind of think it's some guys got together in a room over a couple of weeks and said, we're out. And that's not what happened. Right. Yeah, let's, let's touch on one more aspect of this uh, first section of the uh, Declaration of Independence. And this is the, the, the phrase that most people, I say most people, even though we've heard uh, a different version of this in, in recent years. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and a pursuit of happiness. Yeah, let's just stop there for a second. I mean, like I said, we heard a different version of that It's uh, over the last few years, but, I mean, what does that mean to you? So we hear, uh, we hear all men are created equal. And true, uh, we are all created equal, but I think we leave out that part and it was very important to the founding fathers, not all of whom were Christian, not all of whom were uh, men of faith, but they believed that all men were, were created by the Creator and they had certain inalienable rights. Uh, these, were, these were rights given that, that it, they just exist, right? They're not given by a government. And I like to use, this is Kevin Smith, uh, definition, but I like to define the difference between liberty and freedom as this. Freedom is what a government allows you to do. Uh, liberty is what you always had. Mm -hmm. And so if you give up your liberty, your ability to make your decisions about your life, your liberty and property, if you give up your right to make decisions about where and how your children are educated, uh, where and how you live, where and how you work, if you give that up and you are giving up your leader, your, your, your liberty, and a government then can only grant that back by right. giving you a freedom. Right. Right. And so it's a it's two sides of the same coin. Hmm. Uh, but to me, they're a little bit nuanced, and we have to live with liberty and quit relying on freedom because freedom can be taken away. Right. Well, that's interesting. Maybe we'll have to do a uh, follow up episode on on liberty and freedom. Uh, you know, it sounds like an interesting topic. Let's follow on um, with the next. Uh, Sentence, sentence there. And it says that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. And there, there's a little more we have to expand upon that and governments and the establishment of governments and, uh, you know, the, the role of people and people's nature. So we'll follow on on that. But sorry, governments instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That's a very important point there, the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Yeah, hit me, Kevin. What do you got there? Well, you know, once again, I think it's very important to point out that this was not a snap decision. This was something that had built up over decades. 
And so it's not a case of somebody saying, well, I don't want to do this and crossing their hands. You know, I don't want to pay this fine or I don't want to follow this law. Uh, as we'll see in the list of grievances, it's, it's a long history leading up to. So I think it's, that's a very important thing and point to make is that it's not a it's not an overnight or even a one year to the next decision. Right. And then and then the consent of those that are governed. I mean, really, the government is there um, and established. And we'll see this in the Constitution, which we're not going to necessarily talk about today. But it is it is a consent of the governed. Um, you know, the governments can't act without the people's consent. Right. And what Locke would say is that the government, the the governed are the government. Right. And that they mutually decide to band together for mutual interest, right? Primarily defense and things like that. And so we have to be really clear about what the founding fathers thought and what John Locke thought. They were not thinking about a king versus the subjects. They were thinking about the governed are the, the government is also the governed, right? We the people. Right. Yeah, exactly. So there, it goes on, and then there's a section in the uh, Declaration of Independence talking about, you know, because of the list of grievances and the wrongdoings of the king, and then they, you know, this is why this Declaration of Independence is necessary. Um, but let's just hit on, you know, I don't know, let's just hit a couple of, of the grievances that the people had. And really what I read here, and Kevin, you, you jump in and tell me uh, something that you you know, maybe you've seen, but most of the grievances focus on laws, uh, representation of the people, um, you know, the, the, the judges and the judicial process uh, from the king, um, you know, standing armies in America and, and, and somewhat an oppressive force existing uh, in, in, in America. And Really, it's a lot of it has to do about taxation without representation and, and the inability to um, of the of the people here in the United States to form their own laws. And I'll just hit on on you know a couple of grievances here. And this is in reference to the king. He has refused his assent to laws, the most wholesome and necessary for the public good. He has forbidden his government to pass laws of immediate and pressing importance. I'll skip ahead. He has refused to pass other laws for the accommodation of large districts of the people. And so a lot of that, and there's other sections that really focus on um, the king not assenting to the laws of the people that existed in the colonies. Well, that's right. So, you know, he's not getting consensus. He is not getting input. He is not, uh, he's not, the people are not being represented. I think what's really interesting is you go through this list uh, with some nuance, uh, you'll find that many of the same grievances are the grievances that we talk about today. Sure. Right. So I, I thought there were some very interesting parallels between 1776 and 2022 and the way that our, you know, just think about what happened during the lockdowns. Think about businesses that were shut down. Think about, you know, not to get too far afield into the modern day. But the same kind of angst, the same kind of friction that existed between the colonist and the king have existed between the people and the government today. And we've seen some, rep we've seen some leaders, representatives, handle that better than others. 
You know, it's interesting that you say that, and, and, you know, I touched on it earlier, that the Declaration of Independence wasn't a document that was written uh, in 1776 for 1776. It was written in 1776, but meant to cover all time, including today, right? And that, so, you know, there's people that are out there and saying, you know, the Declaration of Independence doesn't apply today. Well... I call bullshit on that. You know? Yeah, I think, I mean, the Declaration of Independence certainly applies because here we are. Um, and then to take it one step further into the, Constitu- the Constitution, right, we said uh, the Declaration of Independence was how we saw ourselves, the list of grievances, and what we're going to do about it. Uh, the Constitution is how are we going to do that. Exactly. And then so, so you know, we don't need to harp on this, but, uh, yeah, so the, you know, the rest of the document there talks about representation and taxation and, and we already talked about stamps act we talked about the t tax we you know and there's all kinds of other taxation that was levied upon the people and really that was those were taxes to pay for uh the british empire at the time and the representatives over in america and it was probably to recover funds that were spent during the war um but the people, of course, felt underrepresented, and so they, they didn't feel they didn't feel they were getting uh, representation despite the taxation. Um, there's a couple of other sections there on on judges and the judiciary powers and what the king was doing with regards to judges and that judicial system at the time. Are you, are you able to uh, help our audience hear, like, learn more about that? No? <laughs> I, I, I would be talking out of my ear if I did that, and I probably should be better prepared next time. No, no. Hey, look, uh, we're, we're learning here as we go along, so it's all right. But, but from what I gather, you know, and I, I'm not an expert by no means. I, I read the document. I, I did some courses online. But really, it was about the, um, you, know, you know, we hear this uh, all the time here in, in America, that people should be judged by, by their peers, and, uh, and from what I read at the time is that many, let's call them uh, people that were, we're not, I'm not going to call them criminals until they've been tried, but people that have been accused of certain crimes were judged in, um, in, 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 in Britain, not here amongst their peers. And so there's that interference. So, you know, it's, it's interesting that you had mentioned um, the Declaration of Independence kind of all those grievances are what formed the constitution because it's a document that says here's what the king was doing wrong and so when we form our new government here's what we're not going to do and so that's how they ended up establishing the the government structure with the separation of powers the legislative branch the executive branch and the judicial branch and it was those separation of powers that were somewhat formed based on the grievances of the Declaration of Independence. And I think that's bang on. And there's also another document that we, we really need to talk about before we get into the Constitution, which is the Articles of Confederation. And I think one thing to really think about, and it's true today, we hear democracy is under, you know, under siege or under threat. Well, we don't have a democracy. We have a republic. And our Constitution clearly spells that out. When they say these United States, they are they are... Analogizing, analogizing 
each individual state in the same hierarchy as the state of England, right? A, a political state. And so we do have independent states. There's not. We have a union of states. It is structurally it's different, but conceptually it's no different than the European Union. Right? We don't think of France, Britain, and Germany all, you know, all one unit. And the United States is not one unit. You know, that, that's actually interesting. And when we get into the Articles of Confederation and the U.S. Constitution, it's also important to know that all these individual states, these individual republics, whatever you want to call them, they all had their individual state constitutions about how they were going to govern themselves. And that's important to know in the framing of the UN's U.S. Constitution and the amendments that followed. Yeah, and Chris, I would say that also it, they are not subordinate to the federal government or constitution. They are on the same plane uh, going back to that, that thing. And so a lot of times we think of, you know, Texas is subordinate to Washington, D.C. That's absolutely not true. They are separated, uh, separated powers and separated roles with equal uh, status. Yeah. No. Great point. And, and we'll we'll talk about that a little further on when we get into the Constitution. Uh, there is another section in the um, in the Declaration of Independence that I just wanted to hit on, and you've mentioned this many times already. Is that this wasn't just done on a whim? Uh, there's a section in there. Um, and it goes, in every stage of these oppressions, we have petitioned for redress in the most humble terms. Our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated injury. A prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be a ruler of free people. I mean, that goes to speak to the patience of the people and their attempt uh, to settle these grievances in, in a different manner uh, prior to um, the Declaration of Independence, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, well, look, we're, we're, we're moving along here in time, so um, let's, let's clue it up here with the, the third section of the Declaration of Independence, which is basically the final declaration. Uh, declaration. Um, I'm not going to read the thing out, but basically the last paragraph says... Because of these things, because we're free people, because we believe in, in freedom to govern yourself, and because you, the king, have been doing these things to us that we've continually sought for um, you to address, and you didn't do it, we're declaring our independence, right? That's kind of that's the basis of it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think there's also there's a, there's a line in there that's rarely repeated, but I think it's very important. Um, we must therefore acquiesce in the necessity which denounces our separation and hold them as we hold the rest of mankind, enemies in war and friends in peace. And I think that's, in, I think that's important too. It was not, they were not trying to start a war. They were not trying to, they, they wanted to separate amiably. Yeah, yeah, good point. Well, look, I think we covered it. Is there anything else uh, that we didn't cover or anything else to say about the Declaration of Independence? You know, I, I, I just would follow up on what we talked about at the beginning. I think all of these documents are very important to us as, as common men. I, I like to believe I'm 
you know, I, I'm, I like to believe I'm well-read, but I'm a, just a simple guy. I'm not an attorney. I'm not a politician. Uh, I don't have aspirations other than to live my life and live it with liberty. Uh, and too many people uh, have read part of this document at once in high school and never looked at it again. And I think especially the Constitution, but even the Declaration of Independence is important to uh, dust that off and read it and frame how you see yourself uh, sitting there. And I'll also give a little plug for uh, Dragoon Unlimited. If you go to our website, uh, we send, we'll send send a free Constitution and Declaration of Independence to anybody that wants to. So just go to our website and send us a note, and we'll ship it out to you the next day. Oh, well, good. I'm going to hit you up on that. Uh, but, yeah, so I, I, I agree with you. Um, like I said, I'm a Canadian. I wasn't educated in the U.S. Constitution or Declaration of Independence, but it became abundantly clear since I, I'm living here in the United States that I need to do that because I am I, I plan to stay here in the United States. Um, but, yeah, everybody who's listening, read beyond that one sentence of we hold these truths to be self-evident. Move beyond that, okay? Read the whole document. The next episode, you know, we'll decide whether we get into the Articles of Confederation or if we get into the U.S. Constitution, we'll decide by next show. But um, look, uh, subscribe. Again, please subscribe. Tell your friends. Uh, The best way to support us and allow us to keep doing what we're doing is to support our sponsors. That's jumpstartcoffeeco.com. And Kevin? Dragoon Unlimited. There you go. So, So Uh, check us out uh, share with your friends subscribe uh, tell everybody let us uh, let us spread this word let's uh, exercise our freedoms and let's not um, let's not treat this as a document that was created so long ago that it doesn't apply today it's very important today it's very important in my life and I believe it's very important to yours so once again please tune in again subscribe and we'll see you next time